Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. So my name is Kevin and I'm going to read the scripture today. So if you want to turn to Mark 16, 1 through 8, it'll be on the screen as well. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Solomon, brought spices so they might go to anoint him. Very early on, first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us for the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large and had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He had been raised. He is not here. Look, there is a place you laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will find him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Amen. Uh-oh, there was an extra verse up there. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, good morning, y'all. My name is Brittany. I'm talking about that extra verse in a minute, so that'll be fun. Uh, my name is Brittany. I'm the pastor here, and I am so glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. Um, Uh, In the uh, tradition of the church, oftentimes I say, Christ is risen, and you all get to say, Christ is risen indeed. Let's try that again now that you know the line. Christ is risen. risen Yeah. Every Sunday is supposed to be a mini Easter, but on this Sunday we bump it up a notch and get to be really excited and and yell that over and over again and say hallelujah. since apparently we haven't been saying it all Lent. Um, and so I am so happy to be here on this Easter morning where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that he defeated death. That's actually kind of an odd thing, yeah? Like if you're new to Christianity, even if you've been around Christianity for a long time, that on this Sunday, I mean we proclaim it every Sunday, but on this Sunday in particular, the message is that, that God defeated death. It's kind of hard uh, to wrap my head around a little bit, right? I still don't get this, you might be saying, um, because it's so unusual. Last night, I was trying to recount the Easter story with my daughter because she was mostly excited about the candy and Easter eggs, and I was trying to kind of remind her of a bigger story, and, um, and she was like, yeah, Jesus died, and then God raised him because that's what God does is resurrect people. And I was like, well, it's actually just like this one off. It only happened one time, Um, you know, because I didn't want to set that up as um, 
when everybody dies. Um, It is an odd story, is it not? It is an odd story. Um, And and to make matters worse, we like actually nobody actually saw the resurrection. It happened when we were all sleeping. Um, Instead, we've only heard about it, right? We've heard about it in this passage. Um, And the, the other odd thing about this passage is it doesn't actually line up with what we know. This passage ends with uh, the women being seized by terror and amazement and saying nothing to anyone. That's the end of the, ma- the passage. That's it. So, like, obviously something a little more happened or else we wouldn't be sitting here today, right? Um, but, the, but the gospel writer of Mark just ends the story that way. Now, y'all might be thinking, okay, uh... It's April 1st. Is this some kind of joke, Pastor Brittany? No, it's not. That is really where he ended uh, the writer. Um, there, isn't, there is more to the story, but it's not written down. Um, and so uh, you might be asking, really, like, who's the fool? Is it Mark? Is it me? Is it you? Um, and I want to explore that question today. Who is the fool? Like, do we believe Mark? that they were overcome by fear and terror and amazement and nothing happened, or, or what? I think Mark did this for a very important reason. Mark, uh, if, you, if you look at the Gospel of Mark, you'll see it starts up just as abruptly as it ends. So there's no, uh, there's no uh, genealogy like in Matthew. Um, there's no, at the beginning of, of the book, there's no shepherds or kings like in Luke. There's no poetry like in the book of John. It simply begins by saying, it's not even a sentence. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the first sentence. It's not even a sentence, right? And then Mark cites a little bit of Isaiah and suddenly Jesus is being baptized. Like it's quick, right? So it kind of makes sense that the ending would mirror this abruptness, um, But the early people of the church were unsatisfied with Mark's ending. And so you notice, can you bring the very end of that scripture back up? If you, does anybody have a Bible that they were reading out of? You'll notice these little brackets. um, Some monk, when uh, he was transcribing it from one to the other, probably in the second or third century, was like, this ending sucks. I'm just going to add a little bit more. Um, No, I mean, I'm, I'm not... April Fools, no, not really. Um, and so they added this, um, this other part just so that it didn't seem so odd. Um, and then later on, there was another, we don't have it up there, but um, verses 9 through 16 is another monk that was like, well, actually, I'm going to make this ending a little, even a little better. Um, but if you look back at some of the oldest manuscripts, these double brackets are not there. And the book actually ends with... Uh, with terror and amazement that had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. That's where it ends. And so I think Mark did this for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, let me just say that I have yet to hear a story of resurrection that is all neat and tidy, tied up with a bow, right? There's always some loose ends. Um, Our lives are messy, yes, Mine is, um, maybe yours isn't. Um, and even when we find moments of resurrection that come from death, there are still places in our lives of fear and terror and amazement within us, right? So I like Mark's ending, the original ending for that reason. 
And the second one, the second reason I like it is that the story of God is not over yet. Resurrection is still happening and so by it ending so abruptly, we get invited into this story, right? Obviously the women did say something to someone at some point, right? And people heard this story, this witness of Jesus's resurrection, and they came to believe in Jesus because they knew Henan had experienced a resurrection in their own life. And then those people shared with other people about the resurrection of Jesus, and they came to believe, and on and on and on and on until we are all sitting here today, right? Invited into this story. Proclaiming that Christ is risen. I think that's why Mark has this short ending, so that we can be invited in the story. We can look into our own life and see the places of death and terror and fear. And if enough time has passed, we can look back and see, oh, that was a resurrection. Resurrection was happening. We can see how Christ has met us and forgiven us and set us free for this journey of the gospel life. It's almost foolish, speaking of fools, it's almost foolish how God works. That last line of scripture, it really uh, captivated me this week. Uh, When I think about death, when I think about terror and fear, what what came to mind immediately was the Parkland shooting at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and the students who faced death with fear and terror in their very being. If you remember, that shooting occurred on February 14th, which was the first day of Lent, Ash Wednesday. It was the day that we put ashes upon our head or put ashes on other people's heads and we reflected and were reminded of our own mortality and connectedness and our need to turn toward God. Their story of death and fear and terror, in some way it has been part of our Lenten journey, yes? This Parkland community knows the depth of grief that comes from unexpected, horrifically violent death, which is exactly what happened to Jesus, an unexpected, horrifically violent death. And it's out of this place of fear that they are actually building a movement, y'all. It began, some could say, back in 99, 1999 with Columbine shooting. I remember I was a senior in high school. Don't do the math. And um, it seems so far away and like a one-off, right? But then more shootings happened every year and Virginia Tech happened and Sandy Hook happened. And for some of you sitting here today, it occurs to me that your entire school life, your entire school life, you have trained and prepared for a school shooting, It's just commonplace. You just accept it. But the survivors of Parkland, out of their fear, out of their terror, out of their amazement, they have stood up and said, no more. And people are calling them foolish. You can't take on the NRA, people say. 
There's too much money and power with them. You'll never win. Just a couple days ago, uh, David Nugget or Nugget, I don't know what his name is, a board member of the NRA even called them foolish. He said, I feel really sorry for them because it's not only ignorant and dangerously stupid, but it's soulless. He's calling them foolish. It's not just David Nugget, though. Others are calling them foolish and mocking them. They say, the answer isn't gun control. It's more guns. Guns for teachers and security guards. And our students, students of color are saying, no, that's actually causing me to feel more fear because I'm getting targeted because of police abuses. But people are saying they're foolish, too. Recently, 100 students boarded a bus and went to Tallahassee to advocate for gun control. Check out this picture of Cheryl, um, I don't know her last name, Aquariola. She's a junior, and Florida lawmakers voted to, hear, to not hear a bill that would ban assault rifles and large-capacity magazines, and this was her reaction, fear and terror. This... Uh, popular talking figurehead on the far right, uh, uh, Dinesh D'Souza, he called her foolish by tweeting, adults one, kids zero, worst news since their parents told them to get summer jobs. That's how he called them foolish. But they aren't backing down. Morgan Williams, David Hogg, Emma Gonzalez, Jacqueline Corrin, and dozens of others continue to speak out and speak up. In fact, this is how one student responded to uh, D'Souza's awful Twitter comment. Actually, for me, the worst news I got was that 17 people died in my school. One of my best friends was shot twice, and many, many more were injured. But sure, keep making us look like we don't know anything, when in reality, what we're doing is much, much, much bigger than you can imagine. And she's right. It is much bigger than we can imagine. Out of death is coming new life. Grief is turned to fear, is turned to wonder, is turned to hope. This is resurrection. This is the power of God, and it is foolish, friends. Resurrection is coming out of this place of death in Parkland, Florida, and it's here too. It's in this room. It's in Brittany Rose's testimony today. Thank you, Brittany Rose. It's for you who are finding forgiveness and freedom and new hope in your recovery process. It's for us white people who are moving from guilt to finding places to use our privilege in disarming white supremacy. It's for you who are heartbroken over the loss of a loved one but are finding moments of joy in the midst of grief. It is for you who are watching and waiting for a job but finding rootedness in what is possible with God. It is for you living with cancer and learning to cherish life in a new way. It's for you who has failed, who has betrayed someone you love, who has been silent when you should have spoken up, who is weak and full of terror and fear. Resurrection means that God brings faith to these very places that we long to escape. It's foolish, isn't it? The messenger tells the women, go and tell the disciples, especially Peter, I love that line because if you remember, Peter is the one that denied Jesus. 
Our imperfect faith, our imperfect actions are met with grace upon grace upon grace. Y'all, that is resurrection and it is foolish. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul who writes to the church at Corinth and he says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who have been saved, it is the power of God. Only God can take away the, take the tragedy of the cross and turn it into Easter celebration. Only God can take death and bring about resurrection. So on this first day of April, that is also Easter Sunday, I say to you, we are all standing here as April fools. Yes? I say to you that we are foolish because we worship a God whose power seems foolish to this world. Today we celebrate that the power of God through resurrection is foolishness for those who do not understand, but for us, We know that we are participating in the gospel life. We celebrate and we get to say with great joy, Christ is risen. Death and sin do not get the last laugh. We do. And so let us say together, Christ is risen. We are April fools. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let us say it again, Christ is risen. We are April fools. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.